Welcome back to Sox Talk, everybody. It is 4.42 on a Friday afternoon, the day after we figured out who the best team in the American League is. That's the Boston Red Sox. I'm Xander with my pal Ian. We're here to talk some Sox. Wait, Xander, who'd you say was the best team in the AL again? The Boston Red Sox. Wait, one more time. I don't think the listeners heard you. Could you just (laughs) repeat, speak up? Just clearly, definitively. So everyone knows who the best team in the American League in 2018 is? The best team in the American League in the MLB are your Boston Red Sox. Xander, by chance, are those Boston Red Sox the same group of guys that won 108 games in the regular season? I think they are. I think, Ian, they're the same people that also beat the Yankees in the Divisional Series, then beat the Astros in the Championship Series, and now those Boston Red Sox are going to the World Series. Wait, where are they going? The World Series, Ian. We're going to the ship. We're shipping up to Boston. I am just so excited. I'm just, I'm, I don't even have words to describe this. This is a great feeling. It's just unreal, honestly. Just the way they've gone through this postseason has been absurd. Just knocking off 100-win team after 100-win team, no big deal. Yeah, and honestly, you know, Bregman should go home and, and post that picture on his Instagram of Benny just catching that ball. And I want to see that on his Instagram, on his Twitter. I want to see that everywhere because, you know, I'm done with that guy. Superman David Price, we got a lot to get into today. We are going to cover the next two teams. Uh, but I want to hear some serious thoughts. What do you think about that series? How do you think they performed? What do you want to see going forward? Let's start off with that. Let's start off with a little recap here, Ian. I liked what I saw. Yeah? After game one, I really liked what I saw. Yeah. And even game one, I wasn't too worried. Because, all right, you know, the Astros were coming in hot as well. Sox were, you know, a collision course between these two, you know, big forces coming into this series. So you knew it was going to be tough. I didn't think it would end up being this easy. But you knew even though some of the games were kind of blowouts, each game was going to be a battle and you were going to have to definitively win, which is what the Sox did. But, you know, so you start off with game one. Just doesn't go your way. You're walking everyone. You give up the homer to Gurriel in the ninth. Just the hitting wasn't there. You had a chance or two to get to Verlander. You didn't capitalize. You didn't produce on that. All right, no big deal. You lose game one. That's tough. It is what it is. Sale wasn't looking his best. Yep. You come out for game two, and you get a huge win. And honestly, it's kind of the opposite of the Yankees series, right? So in New- when they faced New York in the first round, when they split at home, it kind of felt like a loss for the Red Sox, especially the shorter series, you know, just back to New York. The Yankees have momentum. We thought it could end kind of with the Bronx Bombers just knocking the Sox off quick. But instead, kind of getting the split in Boston made things okay because you knew they could get to Keiko in Game 3. They could get to Charlie Morton in Game 4. And going on the road to Houston just didn't seem as daunting as the task as going into New York did. And the crazy thing was they got to Cole, too. Yeah, they They did. got to him. They, they, they hit him with everything they got. I want to go back to... Um, that first game um this isn't really when you look at sports you don't really take the the umpires into account or the referees but i thought other than joe west i mean it's been horrific some of these calls that they were getting i mean if you have verlander on the mound already and then you're giving them pitches and calling them strikes that are two inches off the plate what are you supposed to do against that yeah, the, the strike three call on Benintendi that was, was absurd. Awful. That's egregious. <laughs> yeah. No, and especially that. Justin Verlander, he does not need any help. He doesn't he need doesn't, that. He doesn't need it. I mean, it. he was having, you know, a rough command day, which, you know, gives you all the more reason yeah. in the world to not give him that call. Right. You know, you give pitchers that call when they're painting, when, you know, they're attacking the zone, when they're right around the plate. You don't give them that call when it's 
three and two. Especially that guy who's throwing it 98 on the black sometimes. Like, he doesn't need that call. He's unhittable to begin with. Yeah. He's especially more unhittable with that call. Yeah, like, you can't, like, I couldn't go up there with a 10-foot stick and hit that ball. Mm-hmm. Like, that's unbelievable. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I thought Joe West, I think they said that he only missed one call. Yeah, he was good. He missed one call that was in, like, uh, a Fox strike zone or something yeah. like that, or ESPN. And what I also think kind of screws up everyone's kind of viewpoint on mm-hmm. everything is when, so it's on TBS, yeah. and so you got the stupid strike zone box up, superimposed on the screen. Yeah, I don't like I that. hate that, because it's not actually, it's what they think the strike zone in. You know, it's pretty close, right? but it's not exact. And granted, you know, some guys have it bigger, smaller, it depends, and especially... It doesn't show you when the ball's kind of crossing the plate. It shows you where the ball ends up. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it could be low, but it crosses higher, and it shows you where the ball ends up, and then, you know, you're sitting there at home complaining, saying that's not a strike because it's low, even though the umpire calls it a strike. So I think that's kind of annoying, but that's just a little quick personal thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I When I watch games, I watch it on Nesson all the time, and I like how they do it. So it's not on the screen so you could see where it comes in without anything distracting. And then I think it's like Amica because they're sponsored by them. They have it on the side. So you yeah, it's off on it. the side. It's yeah. better that way. Yeah, it's better that way. Um, but, you know, forgetting about that for a second because the umpires didn't ruin the series for them. It was just that one game I thought. Uh, they look good. They look good. Pitching looked good. Bullpen looked good. I mean, they just looked unbelievable against a really good Astros team. Did you think they were going to do that? Did you think they were going to blow them out as much as they did? No, I was saying before, yeah. on the last episode, episode one, a good episode if you guys want to hear us uh, preview the Stroh series. Yeah. Quick little plug. <laughs> but I said I thought the series was going to seven games, and the Sox would win just because they have home field advantage, and I wasn't going to pick against them. Yep. Just because of how they've been this year. And you said Sox in six. Yep. So, you know, we both thought the series was coming back to Boston. We thought, you know, we'd be recording this today, previewing game six and seven, not wrapping it up and already <laughs> talking about the World Series. Yeah. Being uh, getting in the ship, but I mean, what an unbelievable series for them to for them to be able to pull that out. Yeah, no, the pitching was great, and I mean, so I have the numbers up right now. They had a team ERA of four in the LCS. That's pretty good. That's a Houston team that can rake. Yep. You know, Altuve's hurt, but he's grinding out every single thing he can. He's still a great ball player, and he had a good series. You know, Springer always scares me. He can hit a homer just like that, just as quick as anyone in the league kind of can. And Bregman's a superstar. I hate him. I, he's a big a hole. He's cocky, but he's a nice guy to hate. But he's a very good player, too, and they have some other great hitters in that lineup. So to be able to hold them to you know around four runs a game, that's doable, especially with this Sox lineup. Yeah. It's doable. And this is an Astros team that scored a lot of runs. I mean, Yeah, most they, in the league. Yeah, they played good baseball. They hit the ball real well. So to hold them to that, like you said, 4 ERA, not that bad, especially when we're getting to their pitchers. Oh, for sure. Because this is a Sox team that we can give up four runs, but we could score 12. Yeah. Zan, I don't know about you, but it really doesn't feel real yet. I'm just still kind of in <laughs> awe. I'm in shock. Like, the Sox just beat the Astros, who won 103 games, all jokes aside, in five games. Yeah. And other than game one, every game was definitive. Granted, you know, we had some yeah. tough moments with Cardiac Kimbrough Craig, in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But for the most part, they rolled through. I mean, 4-1 to one yesterday, it was pretty decisive. The 8-6 to six game before that, which is a little bit scary. A little needed, back and forth. A little yep. back and forth. Kind of really the one battle, I guess, in this series. Um, game before that, 8-2. to two. You know, it was closer early, and then they kind of pulled away. And then 7-5 to five before that. So, I mean, yeah, they had some games where it was a little bit closer. But for the most part, it felt just easy, which is, I think, the most absurd thing in the world. 
yeah, the the fact that you could sit back and say, yeah, there's some close games, there's some back and forth, but it felt easy. I, I mean, imagine trying to say that about this team last year where the pitchers just weren't pitching, and it seemed like every time we had a pitcher out there, it was a grind just to get out of one inning. You know, and this time it seems like the pitchers got out of an inning. We'd get a walk, or someone would get on, and then this aggressive base running by Cora. We get a guy in second, before you know it, we manufacture a run. You know, it's stuff like that that's just really indicative of, of how good this Red Sox team is, I think. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I will say I'm a little disappointed in our school, though, Ian, because I was at the Hill last night. For those who don't know, it's like this place where you go get food. And um, we were watching the Red Sox game. But one, they had SEC football on at the Hill. Red Sox were not on. Two, we were screaming and yelling once they got the third out, me and a couple friends. No one else knew what was going on. They were looking at us like we were crazy. Three, Dirty Water was not playing as soon as they won. It was not blasting full blast. And so I'm a little disappointed. I don't know what was happening. Sounds about right. We love Stonehill, but they they miss on a lot of things. And this is clearly one of them. This is clearly one of them. It needed to be on the big screen, and it was nowhere in the place. You want to know who else uh, missed something a couple days ago? Who? That would be one Mookie Betts out there in right field. Missed that home run robbery by this much. Would have been the highlight play of highlight plays. Would have been the catch of the year. Yeah. So, Zan, I'm going to ask you, fan interference or not? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think so because I, I honestly haven't been able to look at the angles for myself like a whole lot. But from what I've been hearing, it seemed like his glove was over the wall. And so the fan had the right to go for the ball. And the only reason that it, it stood was kind of like a football call. They called it an out on the field, and there was enough evidence to overturn where his glove actually was relative to the wall. So in that regard, I think it was a good call because you don't have enough evidence evidence to overturn it. I really wanted to disagree with you on this because I feel like up until this point, we've kind of been agreeing on most things. You know, some yeah. good quality discussion, but we have yeah. to really hit that first argument, which yeah, is you yeah. know, the big basis for the podcast business. Yeah. But I'm going to have to agree with you again. I think 100% everything you just said there is absolutely correct. I think calling it on the field as an out was the reason it was an out. Yes. Because, again, from yep. those angles, you can't really tell. I mean, it looks close, but especially with the fans right up against the wall to begin with, it makes it awfully, awfully difficult You know, to kind of just look up and see, was he over, was he not over, were the fans reaching over? It's so tough. And the best camera angle that they had was this one right here I'm showing you now. Oh, yeah. Is the security guy just in the way, which I'm sure all of you guys have seen. And that would have been the clear-cut angle, but he's leaning over himself. So there's nothing you could tell from that. And that would have been the angle, which could have overturned it or upheld the call, give you that definitive, you know, replay answer. But yeah, I, I like the call on the field because, you know, it helps the Red Sox out. But I think if you're going to stick, if Wes is going to say, all right, that's an out, I like the... The fact that they stuck with it up in New York. Yeah. But from my personal perspective, my viewpoint, I thought that was gone. I thought Betts was over the wall. And once you, you know, reach over as a player, the fans have every right to do that, to knock it away and that sort of thing. Because, you know, you're an Astros fan. You want that ball to be gone. You're going to do everything yeah. you can, you know, in your power to make sure Mookie Betts doesn't catch it. So I thought they, they did a great job, but I thought they got screwed on that call. Houston did. I thought they did too. And, you know, obviously I can't complain because I'm biased. I want the Sox to win. But... But looking, trying to look at it from the most unbiased point of view possible, if anyone could take my honest opinion on this, it's hard for umpires on the field, I think, to not call that an out. Because if, you, if you're if you standing there 
you don't have a perfect angle on it, and all you see is a guy's glove go up, and you don't have depth perception at that distance. So you see the guy's, uh, Mookie's glove go into the crowd, or up against the wall, and then some fan hit his glove. And, and your eyes aren't trained, and you're not in a good spot to be able to see that depth and see, well, is he over the wall? So I think probably the right call in the field for that particularly, that kind of plays to call it an out, which is unfortunate if you're a Houston fan, but I think that's probably the right call on the field. Yeah, and then so Zane, going off of that, you know, go back the day before, and then it was the Tony Kemp play in left field when it looks like the ball might have hit the panel. Yeah. But because we see the panel moves, that that was very clear. But mm-hmm. did the ball move the panel, or did Tony Kemp's glove move? You know, that panel on the wall. I don't know. And it's so funny because you think with all the technology and everything <laughs> we have, there's enough cameras around to be able to figure these things out. But right. that's baseball. It's a game of inches. Yeah, and like you said, I think. Unfortunately, even if that ball hit the wall first, like you said, one, there's no camera, so you can't tell. And two, the right call on the field, because the umpires don't have that depth perception to figure it out, because they're not superhuman, is to call that an out. Mm-hmm. So, and then you could bring it to video review, and unfortunately for Astros fans, in the home run case, their best angle was not available. Yeah, it was, it was skewed. It was skewed, yeah. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's interesting. It's something to look, you know look at going forward, especially with the World Series coming up, see if there are going to be more you know, cameras around, see what I believe so Fox will have the World Series, see if they have more cameras out for the series, because again, there shouldn't be just one angle like that on the Mookie Betts play out in right field. I'm sorry, there shouldn't be just that one angle where we see the security guy in the way. Yeah. You've got to have it from the reverse side. But is that is that a network thing, like a Fox, TBS thing, or is that like MLB that, that regulates that? That's something I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but it's probably both. I think they work in conjunction with one another, right? So if the MLB said, hey, we need more cameras so things like that don't happen, I'm sure they can get it up there, you know, just as easy enough. I mean, there's cameras all over the place. Yeah, and I would have no problem with that because as we get into this day and age where people want video review, the point of it is to be able to make an accurate decision. So you should have enough cameras to where if one angle's gone, like you have a different one that can do the same angle. Correct. If you're going to have video review, you got to do it right. Make sure it works. Make sure it works. Exactly. I mean... I'm not a big fan of it to begin with, but if you're going to have it, we shouldn't be sitting there for five minutes while you look at one terrible grainy angle yeah. as we're super zoomed in on something. You know, you got to have it and make sure it works. And I know it's tough and it's still a work in progress, the whole system. I don't think the series was really bogged down by too many reviews, yeah. but there are just so many little things that, man, it's just tough to tough to see with those cameras. Yeah, and if talking about soccer for one second, if soccer can... Oh, fi- God. Yeah, I know. But if they could figure out a way to make goal line technology in a way that they know exactly when the ball crosses that line to the like to the millimeter, exactly when it crosses the line, then MLB's got to figure out a way to, to get better cameras or camera angles or something. Because other sports have very good technology, and it just seems like the MLB is a little bit behind in, in this regard. Yeah, for sure. And one thing, as you were talking about soccer right there, that kind of came to my mind, was in tennis when they're trying to see if the ball is in or out. Exactly. And then they go to that, you know, yeah. sort of virtual thing, and then it's you see the ball come across, and then they zoom in, and then they do the overhead, yeah. and you see whether the ball was in or out. I think that's something, yeah, easily the MLB could have. Right. They're slacking. Yeah, exactly. Like, look at all the technology. And like you said, I'm not a big fan of it either, but if they're going to do it, do it. So mm-hmm. the calls are correct. Agreed. Moving on to the ALCS MVP. The man who went 3-for-15... He had three hits, a ding-dong, a grand salami, and a bases-clearing double. Jackie Bradley Jr. Xander, thoughts, react. I, I just, when was the last time your nine-hitter went uh, MVP of the ALCS? 
or any championship series in LAL. It's crazy. That guy, when he gets a hold of a ball, he smokes it. I mean, JB Jesus in in full savior mode. It's crazy because you get that sort of production at it. And something about Jackie Bradley, people hate on him a lot because he doesn't hit a lot of balls um, and his average is kind of low. But if he's your nine-hole hitter, like you take that, especially with the gold glove defense. Absolutely. Which he should have a gold glove. That's a different story. He'll get one. Yeah, he'll get year. one. But the fact that he produced like that as the nine guy with that fielding in a big spot, that shows you what kind of what kind of player he is, that he's able to step up like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, he had... So it was nine RBI in the series, and I think all of them, if I'm not mistaken, came with two outs, and that's something the Sox did great in this series. We Hitting were, with two outs. I think Bogey hit a couple RBIs yeah. with two outs. Hitting with two outs, two-strike approach. These guys weren't afraid to strike out. And, I mean, as a team, they struck out 38 times, so 38 times over five games. So not terrible, especially when you got a staff like Houston that can really mow them down and, you know, things of that nature. But to get back to... Get back to Bradley. What are the odds that, you know, you come into this series and Bradley, out of the three outfielders, is the ones making the key hits, and instead you got Benintendi making the diving play in left and then the good play by Betts and right, and he played great defense all series. Yeah, he did. I, I wouldn't have picked it. No, I, no one would have picked I, it. I think going back to last series. You would have been a moron to pick it. Yeah, you would have. Uh, going back to last series, I said, oh, I'm going to pick uh, Mookie Betts as the AL. I, I thought he was going to be the MVP. And I had been intending. You had been intending. So between both of us, we picked the only outfielder that wasn't it. Yeah. But what do we know? Yeah, we know nothing apparently. Um, but yeah, good for him, honestly, because if that gives him the confidence, because he's you already know he's going to do what he's going to do on the outfield. Mm-hmm. He's going to make those plays that no one else in the league can make. But if that gives him the confidence to not even do that again, but just come up, even work the count, you know, make it to get make it harder for him to strike out, you know, make pitchers pitch to him. Or just get some base hits in some tough spots, just to do stuff like that. Like that's huge for a player's confidence to mm-hmm. to step up in, in spots like that. Yeah, and it's funny too, especially regarding JBJ, because when he gets hot, he's one of the best hitters in the league. We've he's seen streaky. it. We've seen it before. Yeah. But it's in the second half of the year, he was very good. He very much so made up for that bad first half. But it's just funny to see like him make these like hits, and especially just coming up like timely, like time and again in that series was just great for the Sox, and that's what they needed in this series, and like. We were kind of talking before, and I was saying that if the Sox were going to win, I thought it was going to have to be guys one through four. So Betts, Benintendi, JD, and Bogarts. I thought they were going to be the guys having to do the bulk of the work, and then five through nine, not mess it up, move the line along, you know, put up a good at bat, make the pitcher throw pitches, but really just get it back to the top of the order and have your run producers produce runs. But that's not what we saw in this series. No. Instead, we saw Rafi Devers in his four games hit 385. You know, we saw. Uh, JBJ with the three big hits that we needed. Second base, he really didn't get that production. First base was awesome. Mitch Moreland went three for six in the series in his you know limited playing time. Steve Pierce, he only went three for fourteen, but he had the homer, and that was a huge homer that, that was he big. hit. Yep. Um, so it was like those guys were the platoon guys, bottom of the order, timely hits, time and time again. So it was really nice to kind of pick up the slack for that top of the order, specifically Mookie Betts, who really didn't come alive again in this series as he only hit two seventeen, just five for twenty three. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know he's still. I think he's still playing with confidence. I don't. I don't know really what it is with Mookie, but that play over he that he had in right was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's good about this team, right? Everyone's contributing. Yeah, everyone contributed in that. Right. So Mookie didn't have a great offensive series. He played some great defense. You know, 
got on base a couple times. Yeah, bats didn't look terrible. Yeah, you know, he doesn't look lost. Up some there. of them, some of them. I mean, he was swinging at like that. He struck out last night on a high and away, high and fastball. away fastball. Yeah, he, yeah. You, you usually don't see him do that, but um, but for the most part, you're right. It wasn't awful. Yeah, the the bats are good, and I have faith that he'll turn it around too. Just like I had faith in my guy David Price to turn it around, and he finally <laughs> did. Six shutout innings. Superman David Price, nine strikeouts too. Phenomenal. The control was great. The fastball velocity was up. And I think that was the perfect start for him. There was zero pressure last night other than the fact that it's a playoff game. Which, again, sounds stupid to say, but you're facing Verlander, the better pitcher. You're already up 3-1 to one in the series, so you lose that game. You got two in Boston. Odds are you probably win the series back here. And you haven't won a playoff game yet as a starter. So no one's expecting you to go in there, dominate, throw six innings of shutout baseball, let alone strike out nine. Yeah. So I think for David Price, that is exactly the start he needed. Very low pr- pressure, as you know, as least stressful as it could potentially be for you in a series. And I think everything just helps him right. You win that game, you look so much better. You beat Verlander. You clinched the series. You did it on three days rest. You got your postseason win. And now, th- again, we were talking about confidence with JBJ. That's got to you know, boast him up so much for the World Series coming in saying, I finally did it, monkey off the back. Feels against like the he, Astros. Against, against the Astros. Lineup, yeah. Feel like you know you actually contributed to the team. So I think that was just great for him, and that's exactly the performance the Sox needed. You know, it's, it's funny because me and my friend were talking the other day because this upcoming um, offseason, Machado's available, Harper's available, and we were kind of talking about how much money they have to spend and how it's not really feasible for them to keep Bogarts and also go after Machado because the money's not there because you have guys like Price that take up all this money. And before this game, we were saying, oh, you know, Price takes up all this money. He's never going to opt out of that contract. It's a terrible contract. It's not a bad contract if he can do what the against what the Astros, you know. Yeah, what and, that's what they, and that's what they pay him for. Yeah. But real quick, there's no shot the Sox go after Machado. No shot. No, not, not at all. But I'm saying, like, if you have a guy that's pitching like that, he's worth the money. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Without a doubt. 100%. That's what you need. That's, yeah. you know, the guy that That's why you pay him all that money. You know, he's the ace for a reason. That's what you expect out of him. Yeah, so he pitched a great game. And I liked when uh, Evaldi struck out Bregman on that 102 fastball. He's like, post that on your Instagram or something. He mm-hmm. said that from the dugout. But, yeah, just to have him chirp in, like Brazier was chirping, like, get, in, get back in the box, you yeah, know? Sanchez in yeah, Sanchez the series before. Yeah. Yeah, there's so, just a certain really like swagger that. to this team right now, and I really like it. Yeah. But one thing I am concerned about, though, Chris Sale. He was supposed to be the Game 5 starter, wasn't, went to the hospital with the illness, they say he's going to pitch Game 1 of the World Series, and then Price will be Game 2. So if Sale can go out there and do his thing, the Sox you know, should take the World Series easily. But if he's not healthy, that's you know, just a little chink in the armor. You know, The NL team comes in, you know, maybe steals Game 1, and then rides the momentum from there. I don't know. Are you concerned about Sale? I don't think I should be, because... If he says he's okay, the, the problem with Sale is he's a psycho. He goes out there, it's 20 degrees, and he's got no sleeves on. So if he says he's okay, like, I don't really know if he's okay. I know he's going to go out there and pitch, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's actually okay because he's crazy. But I would like to believe he's okay. And, yeah, he didn't have a great start the first time around against the Astros, but I feel like that was just because he was a little bit off pitch location. And some of those pitches, granted, the, the umpire was calling for the – for Verlander, what he wasn't calling for sale. So yeah, agreed. But I don't know if I'm like really worried. I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'm I'm like a f- I'm like in the middle to be completely honest. Yeah, 
I'm kind of more on the higher side just because when he's pitched in the playoffs, he hasn't looked good. Yeah. You know, he had the good, you know, one relief appearance, but right. he hasn't looked great in his starts. And I think if you're, you know, a team trying to win the World Series, you want to be as healthy as you can be. And if you don't have your ace healthy, ready to go, and he doesn't look the same, that's the other thing. It's not like he's going out there doing it for four or five innings and he looks the same. <clears throat> But the fact that he doesn't, I think that's what really concerns me kind of going forward is the fact that he just hasn't been that same pitcher that we saw in the first half of the year. Yeah, he's – the interesting thing is he's not getting the swings and misses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fastball velocity is down. The fastball velocity is way down. The slider's not making people look silly, like screwing him into the dirt. And with the sliders too, right, he's got, you know, different varieties for him. So he's really trying to get that backdoor slider over a lot. Yeah. And he's been all right with that, not great. But that wipeout slider, it's just – Again, like you're saying, not a lot of swings and misses, just hasn't gotten the job done on that end. But what will be nice, hopefully, is the fact that you finish the series up in five games. Game one's not till Tuesday. Yeah. So he's got a couple days now to even prepare a little bit more, a little bit more, hopefully get rested up, get ready to go. Overall, I'm just super impressed with that pitching staff because it's not a great staff. It's a pretty good one. It's not great. It's not next level. It's not what Houston's staff is. Yeah. But I think when you're just on a run like they are, you just get these breaks. You know, you get those guys like Joe Kelly pitching well. You get those guys like Matt Barnes pitching well. And that's what you need on a championship team. You need those guys like Evaldi coming in. We haven't mentioned him yet, but his Game 3 start was phenomenal. He's everything you could have hoped he would have been and more. You know, maybe when they first got him, they were talking about, oh, they can use this guy out of the bullpen in the playoffs because he can lock it in for one inning. Yeah. And he really hasn't been able to do it for well, like five or six. like a back end of the rotation kind of guy. Exactly. And instead, he's been your ace so far of the playoffs. And that's, you know, what a great acquisition that was by Dombrowski. Yeah, for real. The the foresight, especially because he didn't play well with the Yankees. He wasn't great for them. Yeah, and then earlier this year with Tampa, wasn't like phenomenal. But... Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't great with the teams he was on. But then coming to the Red Sox and the fact that he's doing what he's doing in the playoffs, and that guy could throw a hundred in the ninth. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy to have that kind of weapon out of your bullpen. And the big thing with Evaldi too, you know, like all those guys who throw hundred miles an hour, control. Yeah. So fourteen in the third inning so far in the playoffs, two walks. Yeah. Two walks. That's phenomenal. That's exactly what you need. Because guess what, Xander? If you're throwing strikes, you have a chance to get guys out. You're throwing balls, you're putting them on base. You don't have a chance to get them out. It's just that simple. Not as easy to do, but it's really just that simple. Yeah, and uh, Rick Porcello, now that we're talking about pitchers, 10 and two-thirds innings. Now I'm understanding the numbers here. Of course. (laughs) I'm getting that right. He only had one walk. One walk for Porcello. That's what you need. He didn't look great the other day, but he no. kept you in it. And I think that's kind of been the epitome of this Sox, like, pitching in a nutshell so far in the playoffs. Aside from, you know, Workman in game one and Price, you know, just kind of crapping himself a couple times. Like, the pitchers have kept you in it. Not one guy has gone out there and completely blown a game for you. And that's, you know, I mean, clearly because they rolled through New York and they rolled through Houston. But it's nice to see that your guys are keeping you in the ball game. That's all you can ask for, especially with this offense. Yeah, you know who's got a goose egg in the walk category? Fight Club. Yeah. Joe Kelly hasn't let up a walk yet. That's what you love to see. And we've been talking about, oh, his control, can you know can he put the pitches where they need to be put? He hasn't given up a walk. Yeah, five and a third, no walks. Yeah. You know, he's been great. I'm just super impressed with the pitching. I love it. And I have confidence in them now, too, which is weird. It's the first time I've had confidence in their bullpen. In their right bullpen, here. right, yeah. So even though they've kind of gotten it done in the regular season, never had confidence in it. Yeah. But now I do. The guys are rolling. There's a swagger to them, to the fight club, and Brazier saying get F in, you know, the F in the box. Yeah. Maybe not with Kimbrell yet, but I think he's going to have his moments, too, kind of like Price, where eventually you know, he'll snap out of it, he'll turn it around, and they'll get this thing going. Yeah, I, I hope it was just a, 
pitch tipping issue, and mm-hmm. he should figure that out. He's a good pitcher. Like, let's not forget. Like, he's got good stuff. Oh, and, phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, I think he's too good for this to just for him not to figure out in a big. Yeah, spot. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't give up a run in the World Series. I wouldn't yeah. surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Same. So back to the offensive side of things for a couple minutes. How big was that Devers homer last night? That was huge, especially because that just pretty much put the the foot in the foot out of the door for the nail for the in Astros. the coffin. Yeah, nail in the coffin, close the door on him, and it's like, all right, see you later. We're going to the ship. He's so frustrating to watch, but when you see those little glimpses like that, it's like, man, he's special. Opposite field off of Verlander. Yeah, that's pretty special. What I was really mad about was the other day when he was in there at third base in game uh, three, I think it was, after Keuchel came came out, so Nunez came out, so then it was, you get Devers in there, the lefty bat against more of the righty pitchers. And immediately he messes up at third base, he tries to field one on the backhand instead of just sliding. And it goes right under his glove. Right under his glove, and even if you slide in front, you don't make the play, but you knock it down, that run doesn't score from second base. So it's little things like that that's frustrating, but he's only 21. He's our age, you know. He's still learning out there. And I think he's going to be a great player. And it's so fun to see when he has those big moments because he was great in this series on the offensive side of things. Yeah, for sure. But the craziest thing is sometimes at third base he looks like Nolan Arenado out there. And then he looks like Eduardo Nunez. Yeah. <laughs> no, he can make the spectacular play. Yeah. But the routine ones, especially the throws, that's what kind of gets him. And I think it's just the more reps he gets, the more reps he gets, the better it'll be. Yeah, and it's understanding the basics, like you said, get in front of it instead of trying to backhand that. You know, don't try to do anything fancy, just make the play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's 21, he'll get that. And and the offensive production is something that you put him in there, he can hit the long ball. He can put you up in games like you just saw with that, that home run. Yeah, big. Six RBI in the LCS. Six. Yeah. Is that third on the team? Uh... Second, second in, in the LCS, Bradley had nine, Devers had six. The next highest was JD and Bogarts. Each had three. Okay. And again, you're getting production out of him, yeah. so that's what you want to see. You know, there's going to be give and take. Good offense for not so great defense, but the great defense that's being played over there at first base by that combo of Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland. The stretches that Steve Pierce, Pierce has yeah. are phenomenal. How does he do that? What a player he is, and him going head over heels on the railing. Yeah, I saw it. Just. Throwing his body, no caution. Just I'm gonna try to make the play. Phenomenal. And then Mitch Moreland coming in had you know kind of the hamstring kind of been lame on that, kind of like you actually. Yeah, a little bit. Um, like but he's fighting through it, and the pinch hit appearances he's had have been great because pinch hitting is not an easy thing. And Mitch Moreland's done a phenomenal job of that. I love that combo over there. At first, I would really like to see them both you know back again next year too. Yeah, I think that really works, especially. I, I want to go back to those stretches because that is that is something. You don't see a lot of players able to stretch the way he can stretch. No. And especially to sometimes dig it out of the dirt and, and to make that really close play. It's it's like an art form. I don't know how to describe yeah. it, but it's just pretty mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah, no, it's cool. And especially seeing it on the bigger stages too, right? I think like guys like us where it's like, you know, more of the baseball nerds, so to speak. It's <laughs> You know, you marvel at that over the course of 162. But then to see it actually happen in the playoffs and kind of put it on in that big national spots stage, like that. it's cool to see because you've been seeing them do it all year long, but it's great that everyone else is getting to see that now too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fact that everyone gets to see Mookie Betts and Benintendi and, and J.D. Martinez going deep a couple times. Yeah, big homer for him last night. Get, yeah. get that thing going. Get, get that quick lead. Yeah, huge for him. Um, and he's still producing. He's been worth every penny, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 278 in the LCS. So not his best stuff, but it's J.D. They're scared to pitch to him. That's what you want to see out of him. Yeah, and it opens up opportunities for everybody else, which is my main thing. 
which mm-hmm. is why I, I like a guy like that in the lineup. Yeah, Bogarts too. Again, not his best series, but 263, 5 for 19. Good at bats up there. And some of them were with two outs. Yeah, and he plays some great shortstop over there. Yeah. I just think that middle of the order, those 3-4, that's very solid. I think with Bogarts, his most improved thing is his defense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's gotten better. He's gotten way better. Some of the plays he's making, the the range that he's got now, and throw accuracy. I mean, I really like what I'm seeing, his improvement. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite guys to watch, Yeah, without a doubt. I think... That's the point where we end at today. I think that's where we end it. I think we can preview a little bit more once we find out the World Series opponent. Maybe get a quick episode in on Monday. So we'll uh, see maybe Sunday. Something like we'll, that. We'll find out. We'll try. Episode yeah. three will be up pretty soon. Not like this long week wait that you had for episode two, but you know, got to build the brand up a little bit. Also, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, Sox Talk Pod. That. We yeah. haven't plugged that yet. At Sox Talk so, Pod. If you stuck around this long, make sure you follow us on Twitter because why not? Exactly. And uh, make sure to su- uh, subscribe. Do you subscribe to podcasts? You, you do. subscribe, and you, you also subscribe. rate them. You rate them. How many stars? One, two, three, four, five. Five stars. So make sure to do five stars on iTunes. And subscribe so you can know when we post new episodes. Mm-hmm. Quality content from quality guys. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to do it for episode two of Sox Talk. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.